listen to God's word in a new way. And now I will show you a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the lovely tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I'm nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr, without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways, for now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror, but one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day I will understand everything just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet, love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so I know it's a little bit cliche to preach 1 Corinthians 13 um, on Valentine's Day, but I've only been in ministry for a couple of years, and I haven't gotten the experience yet, so I'm going to lavish myself in it. Um, because love is such an important concept for Christians, and um, if you don't take the days that you um, are expected to preach on love, then sometimes it maybe is hard to find yourself preaching specifically about love very often at all. And so that's what I'm going to do today, um, and I'm owning it. I know that it's cliche, and I'm doing it anyways. Um, so since it's Valentine's Day, I want to talk about some of the things that I love 
um, and you kind of maybe got a glimpse of what, where I'm going with this in the children's moment, but um, just let me, let me do my thing right here. Okay, so I love my wife, Caitlin. Um, if you know me and you know Caitlin, we spend a lot of time together. Um, this quarantine thing has been challenging for some reasons, but for others it's been a blast because we got to spend a lot of time together. Uh, we didn't have to leave the house to go to work all that often. We, didn't, uh, have, we weren't even really allowed to leave the house to go to activities and things like that. It was so much fun to get to spend time with Caitlin. And then during this pandemic, while we were still uh, quarantining at home for a while, we had a daughter. And I love my daughter. Um, I can't even begin to explain the way that I feel about those two people. It's, it's really impossible for me to put into words. Um, there's commitment. There's devotion. There's admiration. There's respect. There's so many aspects to what it means for me to love my wife and my daughter. But I also love the rest of my family. It's not, my love is not exclusive to those two people. I love my parents. Um, I love my siblings and my siblings-in-laws. I don't know how many there are, five or six of them now, and we're still growing. Um, I love my niece and nephew uh, and future niece or nephew that uh, we haven't figured out what it's going to be yet. Um, I love my in-laws. I love uh, my cousins and my cousin-in-laws and all the people in my family. Um, I love those people, and I don't really love them the same way <clears throat> that I love Caitlin and Emerson, but Nevertheless, there's still those same aspects of devotion and admiration and commitment, and it's, it's very similar, I would say. Um, but I also love some other things. I love to exercise, maybe not as much as I did in the past. It's getting harder and harder um, to exercise as I get older and older. I wake up way more sore now than I ever have. Uh, if I take even a couple days off, it is not pretty the next time I go to the gym. Um, I really love climbing, and that's a fun way for me to get to exercise. I get to spend time with friends. I get to build relationships with people that um, maybe I wouldn't have gotten to build relationships with in other situations. So for all of those reasons, I love to exercise. And I love coffee. Uh, whenever I was really little, probably way too young to admit how young I was when I started drinking coffee, um, my parents would maybe be upset if I shared that really publicly. Um, but I started drinking coffee when I was very, very, very young. Um, and ever since then, it's been almost a daily routine. There are a few days when I go without. Um, and I think I almost have built up such an intolerance to caffeine that it doesn't really even affect me anymore. I don't really rely on coffee. I just love it. Um, and so I love coffee. And I really love those little mints that you get uh, when you go to Olive Garden. I really love those mints. Um, there's a really funny story behind that that I don't know that I have time to go into. But basically, we were at Olive Garden with some friends, and the waiter kind of recognized us as the group that always asks for extra mints at the end. So he just brought, like, a ton of them. We didn't even really know what to do with them. Uh, I think I've probably eaten like 15 or 20 of those mints like in one sitting, which, I mean, they're way smaller than a regular size candy bar, and even smaller than that compared to a king size bar, so surely that's okay for one person to have consumed that many <laughs> in one sitting, um, which I have. Um, I love my job. I get to do what I love to do, and uh, I would probably be doing a lot of the things that I do for my job even if I wasn't getting paid to do it, uh, and that's such a blessing when you can find something you're passionate about and use that as a way to help provide for your family uh, and as a way to help invest into a community uh, that you love, um, and that I love, which I love this community. And I love candy, which I shared with the kids in the children's moment. Really anything with sugar. I was a sweet tea drinker from probably about the time I started drinking coffee, um, but it really was mostly just like sugar water with some like leaf juice in there. Um, I, I love sugar, and so naturally my favorite types of candy are like um, airheads and uh, like all the really, really sour candies, um, Twizzlers, Laffy Taffy, all the things that are pretty much just sugar with like a little twist on it. Um, those are like my favorite kinds of candy. Um, and I love 
all of those things. But kind of like I told the kids earlier, I don't really think that saying, I don't really think that describing the way I feel about all of those things with the same word, um, like I love these things, really ends up doing justice to any of them. Uh, because I feel differently about Caitlin than I do even about Emerson, and they're pretty similar in the, the capacity in which I love those two people, but it's not the same even. There should be a different word for that. Uh, there should be a different word for how I feel about my family or how I feel about getting to go exercise or how I feel about coffee and the little mints and candy versus um, my job. Um, there should be a different word for all of those things, and I think sometimes that we get a little confused when we use the same word to describe the same thing, or to describe different things. Um, the word takes on so many meanings that it's, uh, I used this metaphor last night with the youth um, that, well, on Wednesday, that it was, that love is like an iguana of a word. It kind of depends like what its surroundings are is what it means, so it takes on a new meaning. Um, and I, I really think that if whenever I use the word love in all these capacities, if I meant the same thing every time, I think I might find myself um, in an institution somewhere, because you're not supposed to feel the same way about the little mints as you feel about your wife, as you feel about your daughter and your family. Um, that's, that's a very, like, cloudy way to think about it, to use the same word for all of those things. Um, but in all of these instances that I described so far, love is basically a reaction um, to the things around me. So when I first met Caitlin, there were personality qualities that she um, possessed, uh, they were adventurous streaks in her that she possessed. Um, she was athletic and attractive and smart and a lot of things um, that made me fall in love with her. Um, and so it was a response to who she was. It had not really a lot to do with who I was, but just the way that I perceived who she was. Um, the way I love my family is, is different than that even, um, but it's still responsive a little bit. Family's maybe one that's an exception to that rule um, in this group. Um, but the reason I love exercise is because it makes me feel better about myself. It allows me to uh, stay in shape and to, to not feel really sluggish all the time. It allows me to see progress um, in physical capacities of my life. Um, I love coffee and mints and candy for the way they taste, and I already told you why I love my job. And all of those things are responsive. Those things appeal to me, so my response to the way that they appeal to me is to, to love them. But in this poem that Sharon read, and sorry, I know that was really long to read, and it maybe wasn't even a familiar translation to some of you. Maybe you were hoping that it was going to be read from the King James or from the NIV or whatever you are familiar with. Um, but I chose this specific translation, um, the Passion Translation, on purpose because um, it is super poetic, as most of the translations are. But maybe it's unfamiliar to you, so you were able to listen to it in a new way um, and not to zone it out because it's words that you've heard over and over and over again. But in this poem, when Paul's talking about love, He's not really talking about love as a reaction to the way you feel about something. It's not an emotional word for him. Um, it's a way of life for Paul. Um, and in the beginning of this, uh, this passage that Sharon read, we actually started in verse 12 with a sentence that's maybe not so familiar, but it's one sentence right before this poem. Paul says that he's going to show us even a more excellent way, as the ESV says it, and as the, the Passion Translation says it, which I love, um, is... I love the way that it says this, um, is that it's a superior way of living. Um, and I think that we have to ask ourselves, what's this superior way of living? Like, in comparison to what? This is superior to what other way of living? And you don't have to go very far outside of this poem, at least biblically, to find out what Paul's talking about. If you go backwards in the, in the letter, 
um, from chapter 13, and you start, like, in, say, like, chapter 3, because the first few chapters are, like, some greetings and some more casual conversation of blessing, and Paul loves this church. But if you start later, like, a couple chapters into this letter, you start to see these section titles in your Bible, probably. I know that I read in the ESV um, most of the time. And these section titles, starting in uh, chapter 3, are like divisions in the church is one of them, uh, sexual, or ma- sexual immorality is one of them, lawsuits against believers is one of them, um, there's a bunch of them, uh, food offered to idols, I mean there's just like all of these different ways of living that Paul is saying no love is superior to those. Um, and I, I would argue that those things, the, the division, the sexual immorality, the lawsuits or um, uh, conflict between one another, the idolatry. Um, eventually, we get into chapter 11. We talk about like the defiling of the Lord's Supper and the power dynamic between poor and rich. Um, we talk about envy of other people being blessed or getting spiritual gifts that maybe we don't possess. Um, that is the way of the world. Envy is the way of the world. Idolatry is the way of the world. Division is the way of the world. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to look far outside of where you are right now um, to see the division in our world. And so love is superior to the ways of the world. Um, at least that's what Paul thought, and uh, that's, what, that's what I think, and that's what the church thinks. Um, and so, what does this mean? This is a stark comparison, obviously. You have this poem, which is um, beautiful, and it makes you kind of get like a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, um, which is fitting, talking about love. Um, compared to these other sections of this letter, uh, where Paul is talking about the ways of the world, this is drastically different from one another. So, um, and that, that's really important to, to come to grips with, that there is a way of living that is not consumed in the world. Uh, and that is, that's very important for Christians to come to grips with. Um, and love is not just a checkbox. Uh, this, this description of love in chapter 13, love is patient and kind, and it doesn't envy or boast, and it's not arrogant, and you know, like all of these things that you already know about this, this letter— um, it's not just a checkbox that we go down and say, okay, well, I was patient today. I was kind today. Um, I was not envious or boastful today. Um, I wasn't arrogant today. Um, you know, th- those things, while they are good standards to live up to, it doesn't really work that way. Um, it is a way of living, but it's more than that. The, the love that we have a capacity for in this life right now is just a fraction of the love that we will, um, that we will experience uh, when the kingdom is fully established here on earth. And so in that, in that sense, love is not only the ways in which Christians are called to live that's different than the way that the world exists and different than the way that the world encourages us to live, but love is also our destiny. It's not merely a moral duty. Um, and for that reason, we can have hope because love is something that we will fully experience. Let me just tell you about this list that I told you earlier. Um, these things that I love. I, if, if heaven, if the kind of love that characterized the kingdom of God was as simple as the relationship between me and Caitlin, if the love that, it, that God intends for us to experience in its fullness was the way in which Caitlin and I love each other, I would be satisfied because I, I am in love with my relationship with Caitlin. But I'm not always patient and I'm not always kind. And sometimes I uh, have a short temper, and sometimes I get my feelings hurt. Um, and my love for Caitlin is by no means full. It's not in its fullness. It's just a glimpse of what love is going to look like. And in a sense, all of these things that I told you that I love, um, 
are that way. They're a small glimpse of what love looks like, but they're not love in its fullness. And so we can have hope because even though the love that we experience on this earth is super fulfilling, at least for me, I can't speak for all of you, but at least for me, um, there is more to come. We will experience love even more fully uh, when the kingdom of God is fully established here on earth. And so there's a reason to hope. And love fa- uh, functions in another, another way as well. It's very closely related to the first two ways that we talked about, but um, love also functions as kind of a vehicle through which the kingdom of God is coming to earth. And we know that because we look at the person of Jesus. Um, as I said just a second ago, we have not yet experienced love fully other than the testimony and the witness to the life of Jesus. The love that we all share for one another as a community, the love that we share for one another as families, as spouses, as parents and children, um, that, that love is not yet in its fullness. There's more to come and more to hope for. But although love is the destiny, love is also the way that we get to the destiny. Um, Paul describes love several times in his letters, his various letters, and the main characteristic of love for Paul is, and he says it very blatantly, that Christ loved us by laying down his life for us. Love is sacrificial. Love is a means to its own end. Um, And uh, Paul had this belief that we find ourselves stranded between two realities. And if you've read much of Paul, you've probably read this before. And uh, even if you haven't, you've probably heard this talked about many, many, many times, maybe at youth camp or something like that. Um, But Paul believed that we are stranded between uh, what he calls the flesh and what he calls the spirit. And that is not to say that he thinks that the physical world is bad and the spiritual is good and that for that reason we should abandon the physical world behind at all. Um, That's definitely not the case because there are certain aspects, even of the spirit that Paul talks about, not the spirit of God, but the spiritual realm, um, these false idols that are not good things. Um, I I feel like that's, that's clear enough evidence that Paul is not talking about physicality and spirituality in that sense. He's talking about the age that is and the age that is to come. And we know that when Jesus came to the earth in Mark chapter 1, um, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. Um, and so Jesus was the initiation of the kingdom of God. And after J- Jesus' death and resurrection, um, a lot of Christians didn't know what to do because they were anticipating that when Jesus was resurrected, as the prophecies seemed to point towards, the rest of the, the dead followers of God would be resurrected as well. And we find ourselves in a place where that has yet to happen. And so similarly to Paul, we find ourselves stranded between these two realities of flesh and spirit, or the old age and the new age. And love is the way in which we get from one to the other, or the way in which one comes to where we are now. It's the way in which the new age in, in, uh, invades the old age. It's the way in which the spirit overtakes the flesh. And... Um, that's, that's all well and good, but in light of the fact that we find ourselves stranded between these two ages, um, what do we do about death? Um, the resurrection of believers, the resurrection of Jesus has happened, don't mistake what I'm saying here. The resurrection of the believers has, has yet to happen. We're still, um, we're still anticipating that. We're still waiting for, for the kingdom of God in its fullness. And love is much less appealing to us if death has the final say. Uh, we talked last week about death and the, the challenging questions that that brings to our attention. Um, and if death is simply the end, then selfishness is the only thing that makes logical sense because 
if, uh, if I'm just going to die and that's that, then I should be doing everything I can to enjoy this life right now as an individual. Um, if death is simply the end, then it makes sense to envy other people when they receive blessings because um, life is short and I should have received that blessing or why didn't I receive that blessing? If death is simply the end, then kindness is kind of a lost cause um, because how much change can really occur between here and the grave, really? But we know, and, and Paul even knew this as well. In chapter 15, just a couple chapters after he talks about love, he says, if there's no resurrection, then our faith is vanity. Um, but, but luckily for us, we believe that there is resurrection. And we believe that love has conquered the grave uh, in the person of Jesus. And the love that we see only in part in the lives that we live and the relationships that we share in, um, we have seen already fully in the person of Jesus Christ. And we can hope um, that we will experience that in an even more full sense uh, in the age to come. And for that reason, we can have patience with people who are still being perfected. Uh, I relate to that a lot. I am yet to be perfect, but I am grateful that Caitlin is able to have patience with me. Um, for that reason, we can be kind to those who despise us. Kindness is not a lost cause uh, because we believe in resurrection and we believe in uh, the conquering of the grave. For that reason, we can rejoice when other people receive blessings because uh, good for them, because we love them. For that reason, we can boast, not in ourselves, but in Christ's triumph over death. For that reason, we can humble ourselves to the point of being servants to the people around us, just like Jesus did, and just like Paul talked about Jesus doing in Philippians chapter 2. For this reason, we can be polite even without reciprocation, which is not easy. For this reason, we can fight against our frustrations. For this reason, we can forgive, uh, and for this reason, we can receive forgiveness. For this reason, we can bear we can believe and we can endure all things. I don't know if you picked up on the fact that I was pretty much going through this poem um, and saying, in essence, if I could bundle this up into one statement, that we are empowered to love almost fully because of the conquering of death. And for this re reason, we can have hope that the same God who conquered the grave will transform the world through his people, which is us which is the body of believers, which is um, you and me as individuals, uh, which is this community, which is your family, which is, I mean, it, it's everything about who we are should be encapsulated in love. And um, I, I really can't do justice to the poem that Paul wrote here. Uh, I, was, I watched a sermon earlier in the week on this passage because I like to get other people's thoughts. Um, if you thought I came up with all of this, then you're crazy because I'm not that intelligent or that wise. Um, but I was watching this sermon, and this guy said that Paul must have had the perfect amount of coffee the morning that he wrote this letter, um, because this was a phenomenal poem. Um, and so may we meditate on the way of love in this world, and may we compare it to the ways of the world, um, and may we notice the difference and be empowered to love more fully every day. God, we come before you today as broken people as people who love but only in part, as people who experience love um, shown to us by others but still only in part. 
God, I just pray that we would ground ourselves in the truth that love has conquered the grave and that there is a reason uh, to love more fully and to be pursuing a love that is more full every day. God, I pray that you would empower this community of believers, this church body, um, to express this love in in the purest form that we're capable of um, this side of eternity. God, we love you so much, and we love the faithfulness of your servants um, to write things like this and to express themselves in poetry that is just ringing true to who you are. God, we pray that you would just look after us in this um, season of bad weather, in this season of uh, epidemic, pandemic, uh, this season of uncertainty um, with regards to our jobs. Um, and God, despite all of those things that sometimes can put us in a bad mood or can make us um, feel bitter towards other people based on their beliefs, God, I just pray that we would live into this love anyway, against our own desires and against our own will. God, may our love not be a response to the way that people treat us, but may it be an action that we uh, enforce upon other people. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.